Well, today is our third and final sermon in our three-week series, The Mind of Christ. Two weeks ago, you heard me share my own story um, of just kind of my own mental battles that I've struggled with and some of the healing that I've found in my life. We talked about how loving God is the greatest commandment. We talked about how as believers, we have the mind of Christ. Scripture makes that clear. It's not something that we have to work for in order to achieve, but we do have a role to play in living it out. And we talked about how the mind of Christ is paying attention to how Jesus is present in all things. Last week, Zach Miller spoke. He shared his story with you of his own uh, mental struggles and some of the healing that he's found in his life. He talked about um, practicing, it's called radical acceptance, which allows us to better hear God's voice in the midst of kind of the lies and the chaos that sometimes is floating in our heads. He challenged us to consider how we're doing at accepting God's grace. And he challenged us to live out the reverse golden rule, which is treating yourself like you treat others. And we've covered quite a bit of territory in two weeks, and today we're gonna talk about something that cannot be ignored when it comes to our thoughts. We're gonna talk about spiritual warfare. Doesn't that sound fun? Spiritual warfare and how the enemy tries to hinder us from living out the mind of Christ. And I'm going to start by laying out kind of who our enemy is and what his mission is in the world. And it does not take long to look around and discover that our world, our country, and beyond is not as it should be. Okay? This is not how the original creation was supposed to look like. Turn on the evening news for five minutes and you'll discover that there is a spiritual darkness, right? Working behind the scenes trying to wreak havoc on our lives. Disease, crime, terrorism, poverty, drug, alcohol abuse, pornography, natural disasters, corruption, the list goes on and on. We'd be foolish to not think that there was an enemy trying to get to us, destroy us. And that spiritual force is who we call Satan or the enemy or the devil. Scripture refers to him as our adversary. The Bible calls him the deceiver, the thief. And his name, Satan, literally means the accuser. The accuser, the finger pointer, the shamer, the condemner. An appropriate title. Satan was once known as Lucifer. He was a prominent angel. He was one of the most greatest, one of the greatest angels in heaven. And God ended up casting him out of heaven because of his pride. But he knows the truth. And I think we forget that a lot. He knows the truth. How else could he use scripture to tempt Jesus Christ in the desert? He knows the truth so well, that's why he's able to twist it and manipulate and try to deceive us. He gets us with a hook, a little bit of truth, and then it spirals out of control. So we're going to dive into all that today, what that looks like, how we can respond, and things like that. So that's a little bit of background for you on our enemy as believers. Now let's look at what his mission is. Open your Bible. Open your Bibles up to John 10.10. It's page uh, 977, if you're using a pew Bible. This is a very well-known passage. Some of you can probably quote it. 
And this is Jesus speaking here. John 10.10. He says, The thief, Satan, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jesus makes it clear what the enemy's mission is, right? Still kill and destroy our life. Jesus, on the other hand, comes to give us not only life, but full life, abundant life, full of hope, peace, joy, and love. The book of 1 Peter says that the devil roams around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. He wants to kill, destroy, and devour us. And it's important to know, I've said this a few times in previous sermons throughout the years, that Satan has studied you since the day you were born, if you didn't realize that. He knows exactly what makes you tick, okay? He knows the exact bait of temptation to throw at you and send your way to just set you off, okay? So if your battle, if your struggle is pride, you better believe he will do everything in his power to make you think that you are awesome, right? That you don't need God, you don't need help, you don't need community, you got this. If he can keep you there, he's content, okay? He has been studying you since the day you were born, and I don't say that to scare you. There's certainly nothing to be afraid of. He's a defeated foe, if you didn't know that, right? Christ's work on the cross finished him once and for all. The lying serpent, his head has been crushed and defeated, okay? He has no power over us. God is our provider and our protector, and we do not need to be afraid. But we do need to be wise. We do need to be wise, and we'd be foolish to dismiss the fact that the accuser is hell-bent on doing everything in his power to destroy us, especially in the arena of our thoughts, okay? The last thing Satan wants us to do is to love God with our mind, to love him with the way that we think. And so he is determined to prevent that from happening any way possible. He knows if he can twist and deceive us, it will distort our view of ourselves, of God, and others. So in other words, if you're not picking up what I'm saying, we are at war, okay? We are at war. Whether you want to acknowledge that or accept it, or not. Every day we are fighting for our heart and for our mind. We are in a battle. The enemy knows that we are image bearers of Jesus Christ, okay? He knows our potential. He knows who lives inside of us, and he's afraid that we're actually going to believe it and start living as though it's true. He knows our potential. He knows when believers start to allow themselves to be fully alive in Christ, right? When we've dealt with our past, when we own our sins, when we start to care about the things that God cares about, he knows that our lives will radiate and people around us will become curious, right? They'll be compelled to ask questions. What is different about that guy, that girl? The last thing he wants is for God's love to be shared to others, And so he will do everything in his power to keep that from happening. Any movement that we take, I want to make this clear. Any movement that we take toward healing or freedom will be resisted. Okay? 
I had a conversation two weeks ago with a friend who struggles a lot with their thoughts, and we hadn't met for a while, and I wanted to check in on him, and we sat down, and I said, hey, buddy, you know, how's it going, and, you know, how have your thoughts been lately? He said, man, not good. I said, okay, what's going on, and he goes, it's been terrible. He goes, every time I try to, like, get better or grow or press into God, it's like I feel this resistance, and life just gets really hard, and I seem to always end up back where I started. And I couldn't help but kind of honestly kind of chuckle inside and be like, yeah, where do you think that resistance is coming from? Did you honestly think Satan was going to roll over and just let you pursue Christ with your whole heart without a fight? It does not work that way. Any movement toward maturity and growth and freedom will be resisted. He hates when we move towards God. He hates when we repent of our sins. He hates when we forgive those who wrong us or when we try to find healing. Any pursuit towards Christ will be resisted. And so we shouldn't be surprised when that happens. Okay. Now we're going to explore what this warfare looks like. What does spiritual warfare of the mind look like? And how should we respond? How do we stand our ground when we find ourselves being attacked. And to begin with, I want to talk about the role of discernment and testing our thoughts. And I'm going to give you guys some tools that I hope will be very practical for you to apply to your life starting this afternoon. So I want to begin by looking at a verse from First John. So John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. You can leave that up for a second. He says to test the spirits. I actually looked up the Greek word before service today. The definition, it has mind, like in the definition of that. So if we were to replace the word spirit for thoughts, it would read like this. Dear friends, do not believe every thought but test the thoughts to see whether they are from God. Now, obviously, we can't test every thought that pops into our head on a given day, but we can test the ones that we seem to get hooked on. And you know when you're hooked on a thought, right? You find yourself ruminating on it, playing it over and over in your head, maybe obsessing on it, trying to argue with it. Perhaps you let it grow deeper into whatever it's trying to tell you. It could be a thought from sh of shame from your past, a thought of pride telling you how awesome you are, a thought of condemnation. Maybe it fills you with anxiety and fear. And I want to tell you guys something very freeing. This has been very freeing to me. You don't have to accept all of your thoughts as true. Like some of you really need to let that set in. You don't have to accept all of your thoughts as true. You have over 10,000 thoughts a day, okay? Some people actually estimate it's between 12 to 50,000. So at a minimum, you have 10,000 thoughts a day, okay? Of course, some of them are going to be bizarre, weird, off-the-wall thoughts. You cannot control random, ridiculous thoughts from popping into your head, but you can't control what you do with them, Right? Martin Luther, the great reformist, I quote him a lot. He's famous for saying, I can't prevent a bird from pooping on my head. Out of my control. 
but I can prevent that bird from building a nest in my hair, right? We can't control what pops into our head, but we can control how we respond. And I want to share a story with you guys that I think really applies uh, to this. I learned this in one of my counseling sessions a couple years back. There's a story of, there was a guy that was planning to go hunting one morning with a really good buddy, and his friend was supposed to meet him at his house early that morning. So he left his front door open, and he was doing dishes. So he heard a knock on the door, and assuming that it was his friend, he said, hey man, go ahead and come on in. I'm just finishing up the dishes. I'll be with you in a minute or two. And the guy said, great, you know, sounds good. Um, So he finishes up the dishes, dries his hands off, walks into the living room, only to discover a vacuum salesman with a full-on display of Kirby vacuums covering every square inch of his living room, okay? He thought, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. So he politely said, look, dude, you've like got to get out of here. I got company coming. Oh man, we got 30% off Kirby's. Come on, you got to buy it today. Get out, please. He fought and fought with this guy. It took him 45 minutes to get him out of his house. 45 minutes, okay? Now rewind the story. If he had been in his living room and he heard a knock on the door, he could have got up, kind of just cracked the screen open and said, I'm not interested. No, no thank you. He could have had that guy off his property within a minute, maybe two minutes max. And this story goes to show that the battle is won on the threshold. Okay? The battle is won on the threshold. If we can learn to test our thoughts, if we can equip ourselves to responding to things that trigger big emotion in us, then we can call a thought what it is, oftentimes a lie, or as Zach shared last week, we can say, we can step back and say, you know what? This is one thought of 10,000 that I'm going to have today. This thought will pass. It's okay. This is not worthy of my energy. It's not worthy of my time to argue with this. The battle is often won on the threshold. Okay, I'd like to take some time now and focus on kind of how we test our thoughts. That's a really good question to consider. And... Testing thoughts can take a few different forms. One of the best ways is for it to take place in the context of community, right? I can't say that enough. I can't say that loud enough. We all need brothers and sisters in Christ that we can call when we find ourselves stuck, hooked on a thought, believing a false story, and we need them to say, hey, man, that is, that's a lie. Like, that is not... That does not line up with God's heart. You have permission to let that thought pass, okay? We, we need that because sometimes we get stuck. We can't even think clearly or see clearly. We need another voice to speak truth to us. So if you don't have people like that in your life, pray for some, okay? Seek them out, man. Join a small group, whatever it takes. Make it happen. You cannot live the Christian life alone, and you certainly can't live out the mind of Christ in isolation, So a common question that I've kind of heard from believers is, how do we test thoughts? Like, how do I know what pops into my head? Is this from God or is this from Satan? 
And there have been full sermon series devoted to this. Rick Warren of Saddleback Church did a great one, if you want to look that up online. Um, I'm not going to go into that great of detail, but I want to give you guys some practical tips on how to test your thoughts to better discern if it's a voice from God or the voice of Satan. So here's the first slide I want to show you guys. This is really good stuff, people. We're going to be posting a couple photos uh, up here, so feel free to get your phone out and take a picture of this if, if these things might be helpful to you in your life. So if a thought is from God, then you'll respond in a way that's listed on the left. You'll be comforted, encouraged, reassured. You'll have peace. You'll be convicted. Convicted is different than condemnation. Conviction is, hey, you know, that doesn't really line up with God's heart. I want to stretch you in that area. Condemnation, condemnation says you're bad. You're bad. You should be ashamed. If a thought is from Satan, then you'll respond with the way that's on the right. You'll feel obsessed about the thought. You'll worry. You'll be discouraged. You'll feel condemned, confused, rushed, and frantic. Those are not traits of a God of peace, comfort, and hope. I'll leave that up there. Some of you are still taking pictures of that. The next slide I want to show you here in a second um, comes from the author John Lynch. He wrote a book that some of you have read or are reading called The Cure. He's also featured in the Christian film um, Heart of Man. And this is really good. I think I just I think I was doing some creeping on his Facebook page and found this. He said, if the thought, this is really good, if the thought in your head begins with, what's wrong with you, why can't you, I can't believe you'd, or when will you, you have complete permission from God to laugh at it and then ignore it. It is never from him. Any thought that starts like that in your mind is never from God. And guys, he can make such a bold statement like that because he knows Romans 8.1. He knows that verse to be true to the core of his being. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Any thought, voice, or suggestion that points the finger at you in shame, that calls you worthless, that condemns you, is not the voice of a heavenly father. And the final slide I want to show you guys is one... Um, uh, here in a minute we'll show it has probably been the most impactful just to me personally. I have a note saved on my phone that when I started uh, counseling last March, I wanted to have something that I could kind of pull out of my arsenal, if you will. So it's full of just Bible verses. It's full of quotes. It's full of things that men in this church have told me when I've shared my junk with them and they've spoke truth to me that I needed to remember and I wrote it down. And on part of my note is a list of questions that I ask myself. So when I find a thought pops into my head that I kind of get hooked on, that evokes a strong emotion, or it makes me nervous or fearful, and I'm like, oh, is this God? Is this Satan? Remember, sometimes it's really, really hard to discern because Satan always hooks us with a little bit of truth. A little bit of truth. Then he twists it and just takes it way out of control into a complete lie, okay? So I want to show you guys five questions that I ask myself. Go ahead and put that up. To discern a thought, oh, this is good too, guys. This first one I stole from author John Eldridge. Who is taking the most delight in this? 
That right there will answer half your questions, that, that one question. If a thought is filling you with depression, fear, anxiety, if it's making you panic, then you know that Satan is taking the most delight in that thought without question. What good father likes to see their children frantic, panic, obsessed, worried, right, crippled with fear? And the second question there, pretty obvious, is this a voice of kindness or accusation? Right? It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance, right? Satan's name means the accuser. It's literally what his name means. Anything that accuses you, points the finger, shames you, it's not the voice of God. If a thought tells you your damaged goods, your past doesn't qualify you to lead, you're not capable, you're not good enough, that is never the voice of God. So hopefully you get the picture there. So, you know, three through five, is this thought or suggestion rooted in shame? Is it rooted in God's acceptance of me? Number four, this is straight. Um, uh, that's from the book of Philippians. Is this thought lovely, admirable, and praiseworthy? And then five, does this thought affirm my identity as God's beloved child? Okay, we've covered a lot of ground. Almost done, not quite done. But before we continue, I want to stop, and I'd love to just open the floor and just hear what God's speaking to you, okay? Um, maybe there's some light bulbs kind of going off in your head. Is there something that I've shared, a verse that we've looked at, a slide that we've shown that's really just resonated with you? Um, something, man, like, wow, like I needed to hear that, or I'm, I'm taking that with me. I'd love to just hear kind of what God is speaking to you, what you're processing right now. So the floor's open. Yeah, he says a lot of times he'll say his first thought's like, my first thought's probably wrong because it's going to be pride or arrogance or whatever. God, you know, you know, second or third thought might be a little more accurate to the truth. That's good. What else? <clears throat> yes, Olivia. Yeah, yeah, that's good. She likes to ask the question like when a thought pops in, is this thought, you know, preventing me from doing God's work and being who he's called me to be? Yeah, Tony, oh, and Eric. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, there's actually verses on it. He's talking about how he's taking comfort in knowing that he's not alone. That, that's in First Peter, like, take comfort from knowing that other brothers are suffering around you. Yeah. Do you have something, Eric? Okay, thank you. All right, so he wants another sermon series on the mind, Bob. You ready? <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Any, anybody else? One more. Yeah, wow, he said this is a topic that he's been talking about personally in his own life, and then here we are talking about it. Good, that's great. Thank you guys for sharing those things. I want to give you guys another tip, like a really good practice to get in the habit of doing is setting aside some time to think about what you think about. Have you ever done that? Set aside some time to think about what you think about. You might be surprised at what you actually discover and what kind of thoughts you allow your mind to be filled with. Some of us make up a lot of stories. I'll say most of us make up a lot of stories in our head about people. Our brains are chemically hardwired to make sense of our life and the circumstances around us. So we, we go to work making up a story about what happens to us, and a lot of times that story is just false. So here's an example. I've had many conversations throughout my life, and some of them with people in this church, where I've been talking to someone and they gave me a weird look, or they said something that just stung, or that just didn't sit well with me, okay? So as I would finish that conversation, immediately my mind went to work trying to make sense of that situation that just played out. So I would make up stories. So some of those stories would sound like this. I knew they'd never liked me. They're always out to get me. They don't think I'm qualified. Maybe I'm not qualified. This job does kind of suck. Maybe I need to get out of here. Anybody relate? Those stories can go. Yeah, those stories can go and go down rabbit trails. If we start to believe stories like that, guys, within five minutes, our day can be tanked. In a matter of minutes, right? And some of us have spent hundreds, if not thousands of hours making up stories about people that are not true. And they've impacted our ability to love and be loved. Pay attention to those stories. Explore them, okay? Become curious. Invite God into your journey of paying attention. Invite some trusted friends into your journey of paying attention. Try to get to the root of those stories. Why do I always go down these rabbit trails? I'm not good enough. I'm not liked. Whatever it might be. I'm awesome. Right? People need to worship me. Whatever. If you're, if you're a pride guy, right? If that's all your thing. 
I'm awesome. That's not me. Whew. Sometimes I wish it was. I beat myself up a lot. Pay attention and see what God wants to reveal to you. And guys, as we kind of we, we come to a close of this series, I want to say something loud and clear. Here it is. Listen up. You are responsible for your own healing. Okay? You are responsible for owning your suffering. It is not somebody else's job to own your healing. Some of you were dealt a rough hand of cards in life. There's no doubt about it. I was born with chemical imbalances in my brain. It just took me 35 years to figure that out, okay, and to get the help that I needed. And the last 10 months, I have been on a journey of freedom and healing, right? Counseling, reading, studying, inviting men into my life to speak truth to me. That's why I'm doing this series, because I want to help other people who find themselves like I was, stuck, handicapped, paralyzed. Some of you are allowing your past to cripple you. It's time to find freedom, but it's up to you to put in the work to make it happen. If you walk around constantly feeling beat up, playing the victim card, blaming other people for the suffering in your life, it's time to make a decision. Will you own your suffering? How much longer will you allow your heart to be crushed from your suffering? How much longer will you continue to hurt others because you've been unwilling to deal with your own hurt? There are implications, guys, of us not being healed, right? Everyone around us is impacted when we're unwilling to deal with our junk, when we're unwilling to deal with the wounds that we carry. Some of us need to flat out just repent of believing lies for years after years, lies that are so hardwired into our brain it's become the only way that we know how to think. It's time for us to literally allow God to rewire and renew our mind. Maybe you're here today and you don't struggle much with your thoughts. This is just not an area of struggle for you. And man, praise God if that's you. Praise God. Like, I hope you're full of gratitude if this is not an area of struggle for you. But you still have some role to play, don't you? In helping others find freedom and healing. You still need to learn, educate yourself, become curious, ask questions, and equip yourself to be able to care for the growing number of people in our world, in our church, in our schools, in our places of work that deal every day with troubling thoughts. Wherever you find yourself, consider this. What is God asking of you today? How might you take a step forward to better care for those around you who are suffering? What might it look like for you to own your suffering, for you to start the road to healing and recovery and to start getting the help that you need? Guys, this Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. in the sanctuary, we're kicking off our Mind of Christ class, okay? We have over 130 people signed up for this class, okay? We had no idea that we were going to have that type of response. We had to move it up here. So obviously things that Zach and I have, sh are sh have shared have struck a chord with many of you. Come to this class, okay? 
Make today be a time where you draw a line in the sand and you say, I am sick of letting my thoughts that fill me with anxiety, depression, fear dictate my life. I'm sick of having paralyzing, intrusive, obsessive thoughts that hinder me from living the abundant life. I'm sick of making up false stories about people around me. I'm ready to get help, to find healing and recovery. These are the things that we're talking about in this class, guys. We have a licensed professional counselor that's going to be sharing her wisdom with you in this area. Anxiety, depression, right? Come to this class. Come on behalf of a friend. We have 144 notebooks that Zach and I printed off, and... I want to give them all out, and I want to extend it. Even if you didn't sign up, come see me after, after church today. I'll get your email. I'll just email you the curriculum, and you can print it off yourself. I don't want anybody to miss this. And if you'll notice, too, when you guys signed up, I didn't, put, I didn't ask for an email or a phone number. I'm not going to call you guys. Like, own your suffering. It's time to get help, many of us, okay? I reached a point where I could not continue living anymore because of what was going on up here. Own your suffering, own your healing. Do it for yourself, for your spouse, for your kids, for your church. The body of Christ is impacted when we walk around constantly defeated. Christ has come to set us free and to give us the abundant life, but we got a role to play in living it out. Loving God with all of our minds is the greatest commandment, and I think that is an endeavor that is worthy of our best, of our time and our energy. Let's pray together. God, you are so good. Jesus, I thank you for just your word today, God. I thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that you are a heavenly father that speaks peace and love and words of comfort and hope and grace to us, God. God, give us wisdom to discern when a, when a different voice is trying to take control over our minds and dictate how we live and how we think and how we operate, God. Help us to put in the work to grow and mature to equip ourselves, God, to find the healing and the freedom that we need, Lord. You deserve it. Our church deserves it. Our families and friends deserve it, God. Help us to never forget that we are at war every single day, God, with an enemy that wants to kill us and destroy our lives, Lord. Help us to not be blind to that, but to prepare ourselves every day, Lord, for the flaming darts that he's going to throw at us in whatever form that might take, God. Help us to put in the work, God, to just be ready and to be armed, God, not only for ourselves, but that so that we can be stable enough to help those around us who are suffering, so that we can lift them up when they're in the pit. God, we love you. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys go ahead.